You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network, sponsored by Audix. I wish I could break free back to where I'm supposed to be. I wish I could break free back to where I'm supposed to be. Welcome back to another episode of the Signal to Noise podcast. As always, I'm joined by my two very handsome, dashing, stunning, remarkably intelligent, and very funny to boot co-hosts, Mr. Chris Leonard and Mr. Kyle Turnside. You forgot Ta-da. to mention, I mentioned swole. Kyle's over there getting all swole again. Yeah, <laughs> Therapy. Therapy. It's happening. I sent a squatting video to you guys. I was so <laughs> It's kind of like the Facebook group. It made the rounds. I showed everybody. It, it's like our Facebook group. Uh, I'm sure you get filled in on it, Michael, but like Chris will post like some killer stuff and then I just got some food or my backyard or like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, I'm still kind of hands up in the air right now. You know what I mean. And best thing is, is like my attitude's actually kind of getting better about it. It's weird. It's it's been a long month already. Well, I mean, I think it's all about having a project, right? Having something that that's kind of been one of the the things when you all of a sudden have this downtime that you didn't have. You know, how to use this productively? And I think just giving myself some bullet points, like I'm going to make sure I go for a bike ride today, and I got to go organize my, you know tool case in the basement and having those little things to do having those projects man that's what allows me to feel productive you know yeah and because i'm not getting swole like yeah Yeah, for me i I, you know i look forward to because my my you know my routine has it's 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 changed just in my role but i'm I'm still like at work every day so to me um, because it's maybe not the most glamorous stuff that I'm getting to do right now. Like to me, the thing that I look forward to honestly is getting to do, getting to do this and talk to you guys. So it's, it's been a minute since we've actually recorded, even though we've been regularly posting episodes, it's been a minute since we've been here. So this, this feels good to be back in this group for sure. That it does. Here we are. Scratch the itch, yeah. man. Scratch the itch. And I think it's a good time to say thank you for everyone to, who's been tuning in and, commenting in in the group and uh kyle you still get any emails or is that like gone the way of the dog man is anybody you know what at at signal number two noise podcast at gmail.com i actually (laughs) have one in my box um a freelancer on fiverr and uh he's working on email lists and his name is marwat and i think it's just a 145 so i actually got spam bro i got spam (laughs) We got spam. We got spam. Wow, we've graduated, dude. <laughs> you know, I was checking the charts, and uh, it's about that time that we start getting spammed. So it was, yeah. it was, it was Sweet. actually you pissed me off the one day. So I just signed you up for a bunch of services. Is really what all that was? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's we've reached a new tier of legitimacy at the Signal Noise Podcast. Here, people are trying to fish us. So there you go. So the, the um, longest bit of spam I ever got before you actually move into the topic, I know we have a topic. So my, my stepdaughter played a joke on me a long time ago. She's 22 now and uh, I still got it, but I get Bosley hair club um, advertisements in the mail, no matter where <laughs> I move, we've moved three times and I still get Bosley hair club um, offers that she signed me up for. But I signed her up for bedwetters, so hopefully she's still getting. Oh. <laughs> so, so speaking of spam, uh, actually, I have a road story about spam, like the actual, like you know, spam in a can. Um, so we we were we were on tour and somewhere in the Midwest, um, where I think spam might have been from, like 
was is it St. Louis? Maybe uh, Kyle. No, is we're not. We're not that dumpy. <laughs> oh man, it's somewhere Midwest, right? And um, anyway, Spam a lot happened to be in town as well. Uh, and so Spam a lot. Literally, the characters were on the Spam cans for some reason as advertisement. And we're outside at some like brewery eating dinner, you know, as you do on a day off or whatever. Um, and so one guy on tour was like, you know, hey, a tour manager actually. He was like, hey, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you eat that can of Spam right now. Now, mind you, I don't know how long that can's been sitting out. I mean, I know that those things can live on for like years, but, you know, it's been out in the sun, it's out on the patio, whatever. I'm like, all right, screw it. You know, maybe a few drinks involved. And, um, and so I rip into it and start trying to go to town on it. And I got about halfway through and could not make it blue chunks uh right and uh and so i, I didn't get the hundred dollars and then uh on, on my work box the next day uh they had put on their uh senior spams that was lived in my work box the rest of the, uh, the, rest, of the rest of the tour so that's my uh my spam story it originated from minnesota i don't know what region of minnesota but yeah it's that, uh, that's probably where it was uh, maybe like minneapolis or something or where we were i can't remember exactly where we were but wherever yeah. uh hormel foods corporation in home yeah. of spam and getting back to the serious well, stuff. There, we, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, I, I didn't think we were going to be talking about that topic tonight. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think, I think um, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a couple of things. I think one of them is, is to really call attention to um, the, the career opportunities that are available <laughs> to you uh, with, with manufacturing on the manufacturing side of the audio business. Uh, I work with, with a manufacturer currently. Kyle has worked with several manufacturers over the course of his career. And, you know, there's a lot of legitimate, great jobs out there with manufacturers full of wonderfully passionate people. Some of them we've had on the show. We've had Jeff Holly on the show. Um, we've had Carl Winkler on the show. I, I think those conversations are, you know, proof positive that, um, not everyone that works for an audio manufacturer is like a soul sucking, you know, money grubbing vampire. I mean, these, they're, they're people <laughs> just like you and me, you know, and they, they, uh, they work on companies that make the cool stuff that we get to use and they get to decide how that gear is going to work and, um, interface with people that use that stuff. And, and, um, I, I, I just think we want to advise the, the folks, uh, looking for their career paths in audio to not discount the manufacturer side of things. Cause there's some great opportunities there. Kyle, can you, can you talk about your experience with that? Little yeah. Bit? So that was kind of my out for the bit. Um, when, when I was touring, uh, my last, my last tour, I was doing a Portugal man on uh, the mountain, of cloud tour. And in retrospect, I probably should have hung out for a couple more album cycles. Cause then I'd be, I'd be rich. No, I don't know, but obviously they're doing <laughs> great now. Um, they were great then. And my mom fell and broke her hip in St. Louis and I was living in Phoenix and I had been using Midas for quite some time and they really took care of me. Um, I was the first to take out the pro six and I was their beta dog for it. So I was always in communication with them. Uh, it just happened to fall right into this lull where I had, I had taken off the tour the tour ended. I drove home to St. Louis to help my parents. And, uh, I got a call from Midas and started with them. And, uh, it was cool because you don't really re realize that a lot of these companies don't have folks that had been doing the thing. So, um, me being on the road and filling a bunch of different voids, such as, you know, production managing, tour managing, 
um, they wanted me to teach and talk to people and go demo and do the trade shows and do videos. So it, it kind of fit the whole thing that I wanted to do. And I was still traveling a little bit. It was cool. Um, the UK staff super helped me out. Like they were backing me a hundred percent. Um, then I moved on for them and kind of went back to freelancing a little bit. And then I got a job with Bose, um, professional last year and I'd never done loudspeakers before and everyone knew me as the console guy, you know? So the manufacturer thing gave me, a, it was kind of like my early career. First I was the house guy, then I was the touring guy. Then I was came back and I was doing settlements and, and production managing at the house. And then I'd leave and PM on tour. So I, I got to see a ton of sides of the business. And I think Jeff Hawley was the episode that it was said really well, you know, we're all part of the music industry. And mm -hmm. that was another thing I always talk about is like, what's a touring guys out, you know, how we get out of this. Right. And um, manufacturer is a great way. I really think it is because you get to see a whole different aspect of the music business. So that's the story. Well, I mean, the thing that I think is really cool about kind of the work that you did when you were with Midas is, I mean, a lot of people, myself included, right? The first time you get access to a Pro Series desk, what do you do? You go on YouTube and you learn how to patch it or, you know, that's what people do now. They, uh, you know, as much as it pains me, the age of reading instruction manuals is sort of giving way to <laughs> to YouTube videos. And so, you know, I, like everyone else, um, I had watched the YouTube videos where you show how to do things on those consoles. And so I don't know if you remember, dude, the first time I found out I was going to be on a panel with you, I hadn't met you. I was like, dude, I'm going to be on a panel with Kyle Churnside. Like, that's the guy from the Midas video. Like, so, so before you knew that I existed, you taught me how to use the console that I have now. And I think that's that's really cool. So, so that part of, you know, uh, playing such an important role in, in kind of people's first steps, you know, or fundamental knowledge of, of learning how to use these tools that we have. I think that's a really cool position to be in. It was fun, man. And, and, and it's innovative too. And you get to use a lot more of your creativity when you do that. You know, you get to let your personality go. You get to be out and talk to people. You get to meet the, pe meet the people in the industry that you haven't met before behind the scenes, you know, um, mm -hmm. all the production houses across America, like, that's probably one of the coolest takeaways from both of my jobs with manufacturers is the cool relationships that I've made with these mid-level, small production companies across the entire United States and Canada. Like I'm still friends with all of them. Like it's crazy. Uh, people listen to our show are people that I made friends with because I was out doing a, a trade show or a demo. So right. we're actually dudes now. You, me and you talked about, um, I think it was like two days ago, wasn't it, Michael? Uh, but you said yeah. one of the coolest things about working for a manufacturer, and that was, I get to work with Jamie Anderson. Are you kidding <laughs> me? Like, that's a different way to look at it as well, especially from your point of view. Like, the, he's an icon in the industry, you know? Like, what is that like for you? Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, do you remember, I mean, we we all played music growing up, right? So, you know, this idea that, you know, when you're when you're 12, you think that, you know, Keith Richards or Paul McCartney is going to knock on your door and you're going to go, you know, that's everybody's dream, right? I'm going to grab my guitar and I'm going to go jam with the guys. But this is like the grown up version of this. I mean, I'm a measurement geek 
who kind of grew up in upstate New York, you know, just just trying to assimilate all the work of people like Bob McCarthy and Pat Brown and, and Jamie Anderson. And those are kind of they're they're your rock stars, you know, when you're into that that line of uh, of work. And and so um, to to go to work every day and and to work with with Jamie and to hear how he you know, uh, works through problems and to kind of, you know, to work very closely with him on, on, on different projects. Um, yeah, to, to me, it's, I'm still like the little kid who's kind of pulling on the pant leg of, of the Titans, you know? Um, and I still, I still, I'm very, very much not, uh, spoiled. I, I feel so grateful all the time to be like, wow, I, I get to, you know, cause who gets to do that? No one. Right. <laughs> so, so the, the ability to kind of work closely with someone who you look up to and who's a pioneer in the field, um, is always, uh, you know, that, that's kind of my thing, right? Like I, I, I called, I just cold call people when I, you know, I, Pat Brown was a cold call. Ethan Wayne was a cold call. I just see someone who is doing something really cool and has accomplished a lot. And I'm like, why wow, this person is really knowledgeable. I want to talk to this person. And I just, I call them, I email them out of the blue. They have no idea who I am. And, and that's how I forged a lot of these relationships. So, um, that's sort of my thing has been like, why not do that? You know, why not reach out and say hello um, and, and good things can come of that. So, yeah, no, I, I think uh, to me, it's 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 just a it's a it's a very rewarding uh, job working on that kind of kind of stuff and, and learning, you know, uh, from from one of the best out there. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think that's a cool aspect of it. And I mean, Kyle, I would imagine for you that you were somewhat like the go between you're going out in the field and talking to people, production companies and and engineers who are use you were who are using that console or that sound system and getting their thoughts and getting their feedback and bringing that back to your your you know your department at the manufacturer and saying hey here's what people are saying here's something that we could be improved I mean is that that's probably a neat aspect of it right super unique because sometimes uh, you kill the messenger and I was usually the messenger <laughs> and uh, I was always taught that the customer was right because I came from being the customer you know what I mean. Um, and right. I think that's where things get weird, you know, don't kill the messenger. Oh, well, here comes Kyle. One of, you know, someone's complaint <laughs> like, and, and it wasn't all complaints. Some of the things that we were hearing and, and here's the cool thing. I, here's what I learned from manufacturer that I never learned. And I'm going to teach everybody right now. If something has a three-year warranty, that's when it's going to die or need to be replaced. I'm not kidding you. So, <laughs> that's that's what that means if um that's on true warranties you know now there's companies that have 10-year warranties on stuff but obviously you can't buy a new iphone because the next one's coming out in two two months or whatever so think about it you know um i, I never knew that i never really thought about it that way because i was always kind of the scrounge for gear i had pvcs 1000 amplifiers that lasted me 15 years you know i was never really looking to replace them because i wasn't that kind of volume dealer um what was the other thing i was going to say oh um don't don't think trade shows are cool <laughs> like i learned that really fast first i was like oh man i get to go to nam and then i did it five years in a row and i was like uh, and then you have the whole group of people that are like, oh man, did you get the Nam Thrax? You know, everybody gets sick from shaking hands and talking all day. And there's people peddling their CDs, like, and it just, it's loud all the time. Like one year we were right next to the symbols. Uh, 
I'm for real. But a lot of I remember, would quit. yeah, like, and someone just posted on on Facebook. I forgot what it was, who it was, but they're like, "Oh man, I can't wait to go. It's gonna be like my 45th time." And I was like, and and, and he's like, "We don't know if it's gonna happen yet, so I don't know what to do with myself." And I I was like, "You lost me after you said it was your 45th time." And you really <laughs> like, oh, that's that's a no. That's a great point because I remember the first time. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I hadn't really been to a lot of audio trade shows. And, you know, so, you know, Keith Clark says, hey, um, you know, because I was down in New York that weekend. I was visiting my girlfriend. She was living down there at the time. And he's like, well, if you're going to be down there, you know, uh, why don't you go and represent ProSign Web at, at AES? And I said, yeah, are you kidding me? That's really fun. I've never gone to AES. I would love to go to AES. So I get there and I'm like, man, this is great. And by the third day, I'm like, I want to go home. It's loud. I'm tired. And people don't understand. Like, I mean, uh, it, it's totally exhausting it's totally overwhelming if you haven't done it before and and so like i think the third year that we did aes i was just like yeah i'm gonna and i'm not this is not about aes by the way this is just trade shows in general they're just they're they're fatiguing they're demanding they really tire you out and by the third day you're kind of like blah so yeah that's it was kind of i went through the same uh kind of spectrum that you did on the trade show thing so on the manufacturing side, I, you know, I have uh, out of the three of us, I have not worked for a manufacturer. However, I've seen um, multiple people that I've worked with in the past uh, move on uh, to a manufacturer, and that has helped me in different ways. Uh, so I've always worked at a company, right? So um, last couple of days I was at one of the techs, this guy, Eric Freelander, who um, he got really involved with um, – the um, DFAT stuff, direct field acoustic testing, doing uh, um, satellite and spaceship testing, right? That's Kyle's uh, rap. And, <laughs> um, no. and and so, but but through <laughs> so through that process, they were like researching all types of amplifiers and like you know push them to the limits and stuff. And so he developed a relationship with Crown, right? And eventually went to go work for Crown, and then went to work for JBL and worked under Paul Bauman, right? And so you know it was one of those things that like at the time I I'm almost positive it's not a relationship he was seeking out in terms of, Hey, this is a career path. It was like, Hey, this is, you know, I'm just trying to work on a thing here. They realized how knowledgeable and smart he was and picked him up, you know? And so that's one of those things like to be open, op- you know, to be open to. And, and the biggest thing I want to point out there was like the relationship thing. Right. So um, like, had he been an asshole or whatever, or, you know, to the manufacturer, like that never, never may, never may have come to fruition. Um, the mm-hmm. flip side of that was, well, now that I had uh, someone that I knew very personally at Crown, at JBL, you know, working e- even at my next company, we had a lot of JBL stuff, you know, at a drop of a hat, I could just call him and say, hey, what about this? What about this? As opposed to having to go through a rep or go through somebody else, right? So, you know, maintaining that relationship. Um, and then we had another salesperson from our last company. Uh, she went on to go work at Martin Audio, right? And and, um, and now she's my dealer for, for selling, you know, for selling, uh, you know, line array to me. So I, I've, I've mentioned kind of this, 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 this theme before, but like on how much those relationships matter, no matter which side of that, um, that thing you're on, mm-hmm. you never know how you're going to work with that same person again in the industry. Uh, same thing, like, you know, with, with Kyle, I imagine like if you were, you know, if you were, you know, an asshole to some people on the road and then now you're their uh, Midas tech guy, you're their Midas like sales guy or whatever, that relationship is not going to go very well. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's a two way street there. For sure. It, it's, it's a fun thing because, you know, you kind of get to hassle your friends still, you know, um, <laughs> which, which is always awesome. Like, 
yeah, I got to go to Nashville to see, you know, somebody at Morris. But then you're just really going to visit a bunch of friends that are engineers, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, or even yeah, the, the relationships know, are dope. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon in, in some sense. And you mentioned Paul Bauman, like the people that you meet in the industry that you would never meet because you're mixing a band you know, or you're working at a church or you're working at a theater or whatever it is like those kind of people, the designers, the weird, um, eclectic folk that started some of these companies that are massive now in the U United States. Like you never would have met them. Like the dudes from EAW, um, it, it, it's, it's pretty awesome how those kind of people and i see michael reaching out to those kind of people all the time and i think that's one of the smartest moves start at the store start at the source man um i i remember going to soundcheck in nashville one time and going into the meyer little room that they had and buford was there and we listened to the stuff he did he did his pitch you know we listened to all the meyer stuff that he had and then we sat through like an hour of Pink Floyd stories, which was awesome, you know? <laughs> so that's the kind of people that, are you kidding me? I would have never met Buford Jones anywhere else but there, but I did. And I can, I can tell that story now. And I remember, I'll remember it forever. So, you know, it's, it's actually a segue into the other topic that we had, had talked about that we, uh, prior to you know, this episode we want to talk about is, um, you know, things that you wish you would have known earlier on, right? Or, or at the beginning. And it's funny, I, I, I told the guys that I wasn't sure how to answer this. And, and through all this conversation, it made me think of it. And um, for me, one of those things is, uh, you know... You know, I, I've been doing sound since I was a little kid, right? And 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 then went into you know a, um a, you know regional sound company and so forth. I I didn't know the world that I know now in terms of Pro Sound Web and these writers and all these like big touring guys. Like I didn't know they weren't household names to me. Um, they, there wasn't um you know social media wasn't a thing, right? So like I didn't know to pursue the knowledge of people outside of who was right in front of me. Right. So um, so all I really knew was to pursue the, the mentors or people that I was working with at you know the companies that I was at. Uh, and so what I wish I knew now was that there was this whole other world of, you know, Bob McCarthy's and these books and, and these more uh, all the I could have had more access like Michael took it upon himself to reach out to these people within the industry. So I think now more than ever that you're foolish if you don't reach out to these people. I mean, you know, like the work that like Ryan or John is doing, like all these, you have access to all these people right now and they're all more than willing to take a minute to talk to you. So I think if I, if I could go back and say that I, I wish I knew that all of that was available to me before and would have pursued it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's a great point. And, and I also, I think a big part of this is you never know where that path is going to lead. And it sounds like something that you'd read on the, you know, the Ryan O'John day calendar, um, which I am going to make. Um, but, um, but that's true. You know what I mean? I, I think if you looked back at, at your 15 years ago, what you were doing professionally and what you're doing now, I mean, you probably wouldn't have ever thought that you'd be where yeah. you are. And, and I talked to a young man who had just graduated college uh, from an audio program. And he basically said, look, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I want to be a monitor engineer. I don't know if I want to be a front of house engineer. I don't know if I want to be an RF tech. And he was like really uh, kind of anxious about the fact that he felt like he had to pick a discipline. And I said, you're not getting married mm -hmm. here. 
You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, go mix some monitors. Go mix some front of house. Go coordinate some RF. Go tune some systems. Go, go. You know, uh, work in a shop. Um, it, it, you're gonna find out things that you like, things that you don't like doing as much, things that you're better at. Um, you might stumble into something that you love, but if you don't like it, just go do do something else. I mean, you're not uh, you're not gonna be locked into whatever subdiscipline or. Or you'll be more valuable because you'll at least be half decent, if not really good at multiple right. disciplines, you know, and sure. now more than ever, you know, not just given COVID time or whatever, but like, you know, the the person who can be that much more versatile is going to get employed more or hired more or, 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 or continue more right. gigs because, you know, you know, you can pitch in and help the video guy or lighting guy or whatever, you know, so it's, uh, those, yeah, it matters. Hundred percent, and you know the, the company I do a lot of work with around here. I am not by any stretch of the imagination a lighting tech, right? I am not an LD. I know very little about lighting, but you know when push comes to shove, I know how to run that console enough that if 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 the owner of the company, a good friend of mine, he's he's the LD. If he has an emergency, he has to go deal with something. That show can happen That's because there's always a backup console because um, their first one failed. <laughs> we already covered that. So. But we've we've had situations where he had to go deal with something urgent, and I was left alone with the lighting rig, and I and it had to happen, you know. And so, and I, you know, I'm I'm never going to be Ike Zimbel, right? But but if we need to coordinate eight eight frequencies, I can do it, and we can have a show. So I, absolutely, I love that idea that you know you don't have to by going on and measuring a PA, you're not saying I'm going to be the next Bob McCarthy, you know. By trying to coordinate some RF, you're not saying I'm going to be the next Ike Zimbel just learn a little bit about it. It makes you more valuable. It makes you well, more well-rounded. Uh, it makes you a better, a better tech and you might find out that you love it. You know, you never know. So I think, I think that's a big piece of advice that I would give. And I also want to share something that, that was given to me early on. And I wish I could remember who said it to me. Um, but it's, I, I've, I've thought about it for, for probably a decade. Let, now. Let's just say, uh, and they, I told you, <laughs> just, just say, Kyle. Okay. Kyle told me this thing 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what Kyle said is, um, have a reason for everything you do. And, and that's an interesting statement because there's some situations where it's not true. Like, uh, you know, there's absolutely a time to just sit down and play with, with something and see what happens. But, you know, um, when you're setting up, uh, building a show file, putting mics on stage, like try to think about every step of your process and why you're doing it that way. And maybe there's a more efficient way to do it. And that goes from, you know, how do I screw this mic clip onto the mic stand to I'm going to put this monitor down on the floor and should I have the high frequency driver towards the left or towards the right? I mean, and w- what I like, cause I'm, you know, I'm very analytical by examining my process and all the little tiny decisions that you make in the course of a gig that you don't realize you make. Um, it makes you very deliberate in what you do. So, but you know, when I reach for uh, an EQ knob, I have an idea of exactly what I'm going to do with that filter before I grab the knob, uh, and that that allows me to operate with speed and with accuracy. And now, I'm, again, I'm not saying don't play with EQ and don't learn and don't try for things, but I'm saying paying attention to why you're doing what you're doing um, has made me a thousand percent better as a result. I definitely would have done. Okay, so. I'm. I got a birthday coming up. I'm definitely going to be old. Uh, might be getting my AARP card soon. No, I'm not. I'm not that old. But um, when you talk about things that I wish I would have done differently, I really try not to think about that, man. I don't want to regret things because I still, even in my my CV or my resume or whatever, I I'm I'm a perpetual student. You know, like I'm trying stuff now. I'm reinventing myself now over this pandemic, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. 
and it's fun. As long as I can still smile and do this, like, um, I wouldn't do anything different. I think the, the bit of advice that I would give everybody, and this applies to audio as much as it applies to your life and where you're at and why you're asking these questions is don't wish the time away. Like, mm. um, I see a lot of people wanting to get too far, too fast, have it now. Like, and, and like you said, sometimes it's the steps getting to the thing that make everything worth it. Um, man, so, yeah, the, the, the merit marathon, not a sprint mentality. Yeah. It, and the merit is you're not trying to win at any point. You're trying to just gain more. Um, and I think a lot of people do that with money as well. They're like, oh man, I can't wait to own my own sound company or I, I can't wait to, uh, you know, win the lottery. It's like, it, you're talking about a thing that has to deal with your happiness. And it's not necessarily the thing that's going to bring you your happiness. You are. And that's why the merit along the way of learning how to do it and being able to stop in your tracks and go, oh, crap, I got to do lights tonight? Are you kidding me? Like, mm -hmm. that should bring you happiness. If it brings you fear and frustration and anxiety, just take a deep breath, bro. Like, yeah. it's going to be fun. It's going to be all right. It's going to be killer. You're going to learn something new, and you're going to walk away from that gig with a story to tell your buds. You know, like, yeah. the merit is well worth it. Don't waste your time. I mean, don't wish days away. I remember sitting in school to this day going, Man, I wish it was Friday. Man, I wish it was Friday. Like, just wishing the week away. Like, I could have done so much more during that week. And I think now that I'm older, maybe a little bit wiser. I don't know. Maybe I'll get my own Tootsie Roll commercial. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that I, I want to just piggyback on what you said, Kyle, real quick. The idea of, like, how valuable the time is. Because the flip side of that is think about what can be accomplished in one day. If you really sit down, I mean, like I recently was, someone asked me a question about uh, loudness metering. Um, and I called, uh, Chris, I called Aram up because uh, I know you guys have that loudness meter. I asked him a couple questions about that. And I called Stokely, who looks at a loudness meter all day when he works. And I, I got downloaded the the EBU standard and I, I looked at the, the math for how they generate that metric. And that was four or five hours that I spent on that. And I'm just like, wow, it's amazing how little I knew about this topic yesterday, you know what I mean? Compared to the information I've been able to access today. And so, you know, if you're wishing away even a couple of days to get to the weekend, I mean, to me, think about all the, the, the cool stuff you could have learned in that time. I mean, to me, that's, you know, you get down these, these Wikipedia rabbit holes, you know, really quickly. Um, and so to me, that's sort of been the kind of the really engaging part of this is the opportunity to really dig into a new topic and, I mean, Chris, you 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 will you do that all the time. You're trying to measure something. You know, you'll you'll call me because you're doing something smart and you want to learn about it. And Kyle, I, I've you know I I like this idea that it's not a one way street. Like, uh, you know, on the same day that Chris has called me to ask me something about how to do something with measurement, I've called you, Kyle, and said, "Hey, man, I'm going to send you my board mix from the show I just did. Tell me how to make it better." You know what I mean? So there's no rule that that says just because you have more experience in one area that you can't ask someone for from sort of knowledge or some advice in another area. And I, I, I like that it's okay and you can talk to your peers and sometimes you can teach things to your peers 
and sometimes they can teach things to you. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I, I'm like I've said on several episodes, the the mentoring thing I never really took advantage of. And I don't know about you, Chris, but I got hit up by two individuals on our Facebook. Um Chris Matier and Paris are now my I am mentoring two folks and I'm Cool, I'm the worst mentor ever, but I at least <laughs> I send them messages every week. Um, it's kind of like talking to me on here. It it's this weird job thing, but it then it spirals into this personal life, and I'm sending pictures of my daughter in the river in a boat, you know, and oh, check, out my, <laughs> check out my sandwich, bro. <laughs> like, but um, it's fun to to talk to them because I know uh, both of them have an in- interest. Uh, Remember, go to our Facebook, Signal to Noise, and there's a mentoring program there. And like I said, it doesn't have to be young and old. It could be peer-to-peer. Like, are you kidding? Like, I want to learn how to mic a curling game. I think Mr. Stokely (laughs) offered his mentoring. I might just sign up for him just so I could get on the Olympic bandwagon. I mean that's that that is one thing that continues to be to to amaze me about this field that we have because it's not true about a lot of fields is how open people are with their knowledge. Um, you can just call somebody and ask them questions and they'll talk to you all day. Um, and that's really, I feel like that's really unique to our field in a lot of ways. Um, where people don't generally feel like they have to be protective. You know, it's not this idea of well, if I tell you I'm getting this great tom sound, then I'm going to be out of a gig. You know, I I, I think. Those people are out there, but but generally, by and large, people are happy to to share their knowledge, and, and I I encourage people to take as much advantage of that as possible. Yep. Um, even though it can be scary, right? Like I, <laughs> it was funny because uh, I sent uh, a board mix to um, to Jim Yak and to Chris Rabel and to Pooch, and I said, guys, I just did this 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 session. How's it sound? And I said to Hannah that I had done that, and she's like, oh my god, that's so scary, like. You know, how could you do that? And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Think about the amazing advice that you're going to get back from that. And I don't want to miss out on the knowledge I could get just because I'm too scared to do that. Uh, I guarantee it's not, you know, it's neither the best or worst mix that those guys have ever heard in their life. So I don't think that when they're going to bed at night, they're going to be like, man, I heard Mike's mix today and it sucked. (laughs) That's not, you know what I mean? It's not going to, they're not going to be renting me space in their brain. So, um, the outcome is you can either you can either reach out to this person who's super knowledgeable and super experienced and get some great feedback, or you don't, and and you're only hurting yourself if you choose not to do that. So so it it's tough to overcome that I think, but the more you do it, the better it gets. So now I I I'm I'm very um, it's a lot easier for me to reach out to to people of that level of skill and say, hey, can can you just take a listen to this and let me know one thing you would do to to make it better, you know and uh, speaking of that, Kyle, I got another mix for you, man. Oh, cool. I'm down. <laughs> hey, Chris, I want you to do this on one of our shows too, because the for those that aren't in our Facebook, you put out a pretty good lineup of other podcasts that people should take a listen to. What are your what are your favorites right now? Uh well, signals and noise. Oh no, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so let's see. Uh, well, we have just so we have on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Uh, I'd like to mention first, we do have uh, you know Samantha Potter's Church Sound Podcast. Uh, so I recommend that. Uh, and you know the big thing with that is it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to just. Um, you don't have to be in the church industry uh, or world or network, whatever you call it, uh, to listen to that podcast. You know, I would say seven hundred percent or more of those episodes 
are stuff that can be applied regardless of you know whether you're in a church building or not. So, um, so church town mm-hmm. podcast. Um, uh, so uh, front of the house Fridays just started as well, um, and uh, I, I'm, the name is slipping my mind of who the host is. I apologize. Um, uh, I believe it's Russ yes. Long, thank you. Sorry. Um, and um, you know, and, and he's you know that that's on the person on my podcast network as well. So that's pretty cool. I think there were episode three comes out. Well, we're anyway. We're, by the time this episode comes out, they'll have a couple of episodes out. Um, and uh, let's see. Um, Rhino John has a good entry level uh, one called Live Sound Boot Camp. Uh, I like that one a lot. Um, Stokely's got a podcast. Stokely, now. I've been trying to check in on his. Uh, his is called Idle Hands. Um, that one, he basically, it's funny when the pandemic started or whatever, he's like, well, I got nothing else to do. My hands are idle, right? <laughs> Let me go talk to people. So he went, he went out and recorded like 10 episodes with 10 different people, put them out all at once. So he called me, he's like, you know, just kind of trying to get some podcast advice. I'm like, hey, I think you should spread these out. You can make this a thing. He's like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just doing the 10. I'm gonna put them out. And it's like, he put the 10 out and he's like, well, shit, the, the pandemic's not over. I have more time. I might as well talk. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I might as well talk to more people. People want to hear about this. So, yeah, he's up to like, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 episodes. He's been putting them out, which is great. Um, there's actually two new ones that I, I've come across. Um, within Sound the past. Girls? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Sound Girls um, is another good one. Uh, oh, do they have a, they have a podcast? Yeah, Sound right? Girls. Yeah, Sound Girls, yep. Uh, Becky Becky Campbell is one of the hosts, uh, and I, I oh, forget cool. who the other host is. I, I, you put me on the spot here, Kyle. Um, is it uh, Resonating Beyond Sound? Is that the name of the podcast, or was that the name of the... I think it was... I think that's the name of it. Um, yeah. By the way, shout out to Willis Snow. Um, she's been on Yay. that show for a while, but she posts the most amazing food. Like, that girl is probably not going to go mix shows anymore. She's just going to cook food. Between her and I, I think she posts four food picks to my one, and it looks delicious. So shout out. So when you guys start a, a restaurant, um, I'll be first in line. Oh. <laughs> uh, so- Kyle's like, no, that thing. Okay. But I don't know, man. Kyle, you've been doing you you've been cooking up steaks. You very impressive. I gotta say, man, very impressive. Yeah, I, I got a smoker for a friend of mine, and it the podcast turned into a food talk. So yeah, I've been smoking. It's not a, a euphemism, by the way. Yeah. So I'm. Um, Literally, a I'm going to give a plug to a non-audio podcast because I'm just big in the podcast okay. in general. Although the name, it well, it's somewhat sound related. So the the podcast name is Twenty Thousand Hertz, right? Um, and wait, that's not an audio well, podcast. I, <laughs> but what I mean by that is it's not like a technical audio podcast. Um, like so, for instance, um, the, uh, there was a two-part episode on Mel Blanc or Blank. I don't, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. I think it's oh, you told uh, me about this, right? So, like, they, they went through like you know he, he can do more than four hundred distinct different character voices, right? There's no one else in Hollywood has ever been able to do that. They go into like how he made it made all those sounds. Uh, they go like one of the episodes it's called Pew Pew. It's all about Star Wars sounds and how they created <laughs> all the Star Wars sounds. Um, or today's episode I listened to or whatever was uh, all about copyrights, uh, infringement, and sampling, and and all the different cases that have gone through and and what is not right. Anyway, so it's it's about sounds like you know things you would hear, whether it's music, whether it's speech, whatever, but not necessarily from a technical standpoint. It's more of like an NPR style sound thing. So I uh, I recommend that twenty twenty thousand hertz. So if you want to get away from some of the technical stuff, because I know we're inundated right now as an industry with technical speak, uh, it's a nice uh, it's a nice listen. Especially with all the highly technical conversation here on the Signal Noise podcast, including Kyle's new smoke. Yeah. Room. 
very technical. Super technical. He, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to throw him under the bus. He's cheating. He's using gas. So all you real smokers, you can uh, go in the podcast group. I mean, the Facebook group and, uh, and, and literally grill Kyle for not using real wood. That, that's smoking. okay. That's okay. I live in St. Louis. What, what is the <laughs> cut of beef that's named after, uh, Philadelphia? Oh yeah. None. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh my gosh all right so kyle if you if you could, if you could go back if you could go back to 20 year old kyle Trinsley oh god and, i'd eat way more tasty and, and, cakes when i was in philadelphia <laughs> so like what i mean what piece of advice would you give yourself either professionally or you know something that you learned when you're mixing or, or dealing with with people professionally i mean is there anything that you would be like hey buddy let me tell you something. Um, what would you say? Well, the one thing that I got from you, dude, so you want to talk about peer-to-peer stuff, like just take notes. Um, mm. And I think that's important. Like uh, I remember there was times that I was relying on my phone for phone numbers, contacts, stuff like that, emails. If I just met somebody or stuck a business card in my pocket, like um, I would have took some notes as well. And uh, – saved my shows like uh i just get a spindle of cds and i just stack my shows up on them every night and then at the end of the tour they'd go back to storage or whatever i'd listen to them and then i'd put them back on the spindle you know um maybe paying a little bit more attention to that if i can go back to the 20 year old me wow definitely a smoke less weed i don't know um (laughs) I mean, some of the things that you're saying, like listen to your board mixes, right? Like that's easier now than it, much easier now than it was. Yeah, before, definitely. Right? Like I, there was a point in time where I had a Walkman with me, you know, a CD Walkman with me and, and, yeah. and one broke and I went and bought one and it didn't play a CDR, you know, first world problems back then. Like, <laughs> um, and, and I think the note taking is very important. Like, um, we rely on where our console sits on a USB key all the time and, I think finding sweet spots and things that you really like are stuck out or sometimes you walk away from the desk and in not such a great mood the night before. And if you would have just whipped out your notes on the next day, you could have maybe addressed it, you know? Um, Mm. I think that's a good general point too. I mean, I spoke, I gave a presentation at the live sound summit last month and, you know, out of the hundred people that watched my presentation of two of them that I could see, had notepads. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, those are the two people who are going to benefit the most from this probably. And who are, you know, when I get that follow-up email with a really important or smart question, that, that's going to be from these people. You know what I mean? That, that shows me who's really paying attention. Yeah. One of my old friends. So when I still lived in St. Louis and I was still doing local stuff here, um, the 20 year old me, um, one of my friends worked for a company that provided for Tony Robbins. And, um, I got to go out and help set up because one of the Tony Robbins things was here. And one of the very first things that he said when he got up there on the first day that I saw it, I mean, I got to leave during the middle of the show. So I didn't was like, Hey guys, you should be taking notes. If you don't have a notepad, maybe at lunch, go grab one. Like this goes for any kind of business. I think keeping digital notes is kind of a cop out. Because I like to draw little pictures of knobs and where settings are. Um, 
obviously I use my camera a lot on my phone. I cop out on it too, but yeah, I wish I kind of would have taken a lot more detailed notes about what was going on at the shows. Um, distances between my hangs, where I hung it and what venue. So that way, if I step back in there, I knew what I was stepping into because people are like making those catalogs now for master tour and different apps that you can use is mm -hmm. uh, basically you walk into this venue, what does it have? If you're not bringing anything, what does it have? Or if you are bringing something, how hard is it going to get, you know? And those notes would probably pay you money now. Like you could probably sell those and be like, hey, man, I got all of North America and six ring binders or whatever. Um, yeah, I definitely wish I would have took some notes. So I, and there was a guy I worked with on tour who had taken, this is a while back. So FileMaker Pro basically had made like a database system of literally every venue in the country that he went to. Um, this guy Fumi, which uh, he was like the best PA fly tech there is in the country. I don't care. Or probably in the world. Um, and um, so like it literally, so he would kind of do just a rough sketch of kind of with the shape of the venue. Uh, and he would list out all the key things like uh, how much power there was, you know, a two, 200 amp, 300 amp, or sorry, 200 amp, 400 amp, whatever the, where the power draws were, whether they're stage left, upstage right, uh, how many loading docks there were, so how many chucks you could fit, um, where dead storage was, all of these things, right? Just, and so we, as we pulled up to each venue in the morning or the, the night before, I could look ahead the next venue the next morning. I know, hey, am I pulling feeder from stage left to stage right? Am I, am I doing this? Am I doing this? And it was like unbelievable. Um, but that, that's brilliant. You know, yeah. It's that type of detail just pays off in a tour after tour or whatever. It's, oh, man, I mean, I wish I was able to hold on to that database. So <laughs> didn't, yeah. didn't the chat, a, I mean, that's awesome, man. Didn't the chad Olick, uh, he said he did something like that too because uh, he ends up yeah. production managing a ton as well. So, man, that would be so priceless to have now mm -hmm. and to look back. I'd, I'd know where all the delicious food was around the venue <laughs> or if there was a castle or a cathedral close. <laughs> you know what I have though? And I, and I have to admit, I am not – you guys know I'm not super big on like getting fancy gear and toys and stuff, but this thing – um, you familiar with the, uh, you know, the Kindle, the, Oh, sorry. Yeah. The <laughs> no, the, if you've seen the, the, the e-readers, right. It looks like paper. It's digital paper. It's not, it's not like looking at a screen. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a company called remarkable yeah. and they make a, a, a notebook. It's a, it's a tablet that you can write on and it has the same thing. So it looks like paper. It's not glowing in your eyes. Um, and it's basically just like writing on a piece of paper and it feels like writing on a piece of paper. Um, but it, it syncs your data to the cloud so I can get, uh, on my computer or my phone and I can download a PDF of the notes I took and you can organize it. And that's, that has been a game changer. Cause I, I'm, I'm like you, Kyle, I, I want to scribble stuff. I don't want to type into a computer, you know what I mean? Um, and so the, the ability to just kind of write free form and put that information in and sketch out, you know, input lists or whatever I want to do and be able to, you know, not have to say, Oh man, I, I worked that all out, but it's sitting in a notebook at home on my desk right now. Um, to always have that stuff. And, um, it was a big investment, but that's been a game changer when I show up to shows and that's allowed me to just be more prepared and to kind of de-stress and you can upload PDFs to it. I'm not, it sounds like I'm plugging it. I just, it's, you know, my whole thing is when I find something that I think is great, I'll, I'll tell people. And this was a game changing device for me. Um, Brought to you by Remarkable. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think that's, um, that there's a ripple effect to that too. Like having good documentation, um, you know, it was funny. One of the, my buddy, David, he runs monitors for me a lot. Um, 
I called him a couple times last year to come in and just freelance some monitors on some one-offs. And when he walked in, sitting on his console, I had left him an input list, a stage plot, you know, just kind of the rundown, the day sheet. Um, and he was like, wow, I walked in and I got, you know, I got all the stuff I needed and I didn't have to ask you anything. Like, and he was, he was like pleasantly surprised that he was actually given information. That's another thing that Chad talked about. Give, give people this information. They're going to do a better job. They're not going to bother you as much. They're going to have the stuff they need to, to, to be self-sufficient and get the job done. And that helps everybody. So one thing I wish I had done sooner is be more fastidious with my documentation and my information and making sure that all the people who needed to get that information were getting it. You know what I mean? Crickets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I. So, I guess we're somewhat against the clock, although it's just us, so we don't really have a clock. But who cares? Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't go for four more hours, and you're like, I. One um, of the in you know thinking about this question of what you have done differently, or what, what or what you wish you knew when you're younger. Um, so th- there's been a, a core thing of mine that I firmly believe in. Um, that I don't know if I realized how much early, early on in my career or life that I, that I knew about it, but it was developing it. Um, but now I'm very much aware. And so that is empathy. Um, and so, and that, that can mean a lot of things. Um, but you know, like for instance, um, you know, when I was, you know, younger, early starting out, um, working at Maryland Sound, when I was home, you know, not touring, I would pick up a few local IA gigs, um, not because, you know, sure, I would make a few extra bucks, but that wasn't what it was about. It was I wanted to put myself in a stagehand role and go do a load and load out and see what it was like to work under a, a, a tour, like work under a crew chief or whatever and give see how mm. see what it was like to be given direction and try to read into that. Okay, well, did how did they how did they convey what they're trying to get me to do? Did this person do it well? Did this person not do it well? Um, and I would I would glean off of that and try to now when I go back on a tour, now I can reverse those roles and know what it's like to convey a message or how to translate something. Um, and so, you know, put, you know, literally putting myself in my, sh- in, in those person's shoes, um, you know, and I think, and then, you know, further on in my career or life, sometimes you don't have the opportunity to actually switch roles like that. Um, but being able to, um, uh, you know, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes or, you know, the way I, I explain it is like, I, I try to have a, <laughs> an out-of-body experience, right? When I'm, when I'm having a conversation with someone, think about how I'm conveying that message, right? And the way I typically have done that is like, I'll watch somebody else's conversation and, hey, what did I think they were trying to get across? How do I think it was perceived? And, and, and so forth, right? So just very introspective, psychoanalyzing someone else's conversation and then trying to make sure that when I'm communicating that, I'm doing it the same way. Uh, and it, it, it's paid off greatly. Um, the flip side of that too is it's been, it pains me when I see other people uh, not have empathy, you know, whether it's within our own company, whether it's within other people I work with, with freelancers or, or, or clients and stuff like that. So it's, it's something that like... If you can be the earlier you can be aware of it, um, it, yeah. it will just mean the world in so yeah. many ways. That's that's great, and I think um, you know that that's really important about you know how how does this feel to be on the receiving end of whatever uh, I'm saying? And I and I've been on show sites where it was a really easy day, 
And I've been on show sites where it was a really terrible day. And, you know, a lot of times the difference is who's in charge and how they're talking to people. Um, and that's that's something that I try to emulate. A big tip that I would give anyone who's working with a crew, um, who's if you're supervising a team, if you have people working under you, anything like that, where you're giving direction or instruction. Um, one of the first things I will say is um, – if I say anything, I use a term you don't understand. If if you if I'm not clear, if something I say isn't it, you know is confusing to you, stop me and ask for clarification. And I would um, I, I try to set up an environment early on where um, uh, what I want to avoid is where people do what they think I said and they try to fill in the gaps. And then you know that first of all it doesn't feel good. It wastes time. I have to go back and redo it. So no, if I wasn't clear, if I misspoke, if you don't understand a phrase I use, just just tell me that and and we'll go back over it. You know what I mean? And I think um, to get to an environment where everyone can feel like they can ask a question or they can say, and the other thing is, I mean, uh, my buddy Fletcher, who we should have on, on the podcast, uh, you know, he has this great thing about when you're on a local crew, right? And you're dealing with the touring people, um, you know, when to speak up and when not to speak up, you know? Um, don't tell the touring person how to put their rig together, right? But, you know, if you know something about the house that's going to help the show, there's like a better catering? way than the snake or... Right. So so there are times when um, it's important. My buddy Nate, who who works with my company, um, he's really good at that. He knows when to speak up and when to offer advice and when to say, hey, you know, just so you know, you might want to do this first. He's really good at that, but he's also really good at knowing when to keep his mouth shut and to just do whatever the task is. Um, and that can be a really tough thing to kind of feel mm -hmm. out for a tech. Mm -hmm. um, but the people who are good at that, man, they, they make your life so much easier. You know what I mean? And I think that comes back to being approachable, having a working dynamic where if someone, you know, piped up twice and you bit their head off two times, they're going to keep their mouth shut for the rest mm -hmm. of the day, even if they shouldn't. So I, I want people to be able to talk to me, yeah. you know? I just make jokes and then I see who I'm going to prod for a drumstick or a set list later. <laughs> just kidding just kidding just kidding don't do that don't do what i do <laughs> well i and i think to close uh, a conversation i had with uh my new friend daniel lundberg who's a uh quite well respected uh sound mixer and sound designer in the broadway circuit and someone i'm hoping to get on the show in the future um one of the things he said that, that i really liked um because well, Daniel's probably listening to this uh, walking around Central Park right now. So hello, Daniel. Uh, but uh, one of the things he said that I really liked was um, that he'll be sitting at a show at front of house and kind of uh, he has got a way of, you know, adopting a demeanor that will cause the average person to sort of walk right by him. But, you know, he's kind of looking for that kid, that young kid who's looking over at the mixer and has got a question. He'll say, yeah, you know, you want to come in, you want to sit. And so, um, you know, if you're like we talked about at the beginning of this, if you're an assertive person who is easy for you to reach out to someone or to call someone up to email someone who don't know and ask them a question, you know, there's advantages that you're going to have professionally because you're able to do that. So what about the people who are just as curious, but maybe aren't as socially comfortable with doing that? Um, how do we create an environment as professionals that makes those people feel a little more comfortable doing something like that. And, and I, and I, that's something I'd kind of just want to pose to think about. And I think like Kyle, the, the mentorship program that you're starting up, it's a great example of that. You know, you don't um, have to feel uh, scared or nervous or embarrassed wow. to reach out to someone you want to learn from and, and just ask to talk. And so I, 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 we say it all the time, but I just want to continue to encourage people. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you want to learn, um, please reach out to whoever that person is. You can, you know, I, I, I know I speak for all three of us. We're always happy to talk to people and, and to chat and to share what we know and, um, and, 
that's been my experience for the industry as a whole. So I think I think that's probably a, a, a pretty good stopping point. But I definitely want to encourage people to you know to to reach out and uh, to start that dialogue for sure. Right? Absolutely, like you, like you said, be empathetic, be assertive. Don't take what you have for granted. You know, just do the thing. We'll we'll be back at it sooner than later. It's fun doing another boys' night, guys. It's been a while for sure. Boys' night, yeah. <laughs> it was I I did a cool. I, I like to be an innovator so tonight I did a, a podcast first I ate 24 ounces of blue bunny double swirl <laughs> strawberry ice oh, cream while you guys man. were talking so <laughs> <laughs> I like to present myself with a trophy of a stomach ache right now yeah I'm gonna say yeah it's gonna be nice later on buddy all right so, uh, yeah, I think on that note, please continue to reach out to us on the Signal to Noise podcast Facebook group. And you can find us on Pearlson Web. You can find us at Signal Number Two Noise Podcast at gmail.com, particularly if you're a spammer or a fisher and you want to sell Kyle a new smartwatch or security system or penis enlargement pill. Yes. Uh, Kyle would love to read your email. Yes, I, um, I need so. all those things. <laughs> hair loss, oddly hair loss. 